the Purple Mafia with your host, Paladino Joey. Well, we'll see. The doctors would disagree, but what do they know? So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. Is it worth it? I mean, you've won. You want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. It's just my enemy. That's all. My father taught me many things. He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies close. These are wonderful things that we've achieved, and there's no limit to where we can go from here. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia, episode number 52 today. Today is Monday, December the 21st, 2009. It is the first day of winter. Welcome to winter, everybody. And boy, oh boy, is it winter when you're talking about the Minnesota Vikings. It is winter as their offense has gone cold, and I mean real cold. Their defense, well, it was good until the third quarter, and I mean, wow. Excuse me, the fourth quarter. It was just an utter disaster, folks. This game was a disaster. So before I get into that, Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank you always for downloading and listening to this show. And those of you out there that are fans, and there are quite a few of you, I mean, the numbers show that, please tell a friend about the show. I would appreciate it very much and uh, only make things bigger and better. And uh, this show can get more and more on the map out there. Well, folks, there's a lot to cover today, and I mean a lot. There's too much to cover, basically. You got the game, of course, Minnesota-Carolina yesterday, and uh, let's just say it's a very repetitious thing for us Viking fans in this town. Very, very repetitious deal. Yes, the Vikings lose 26-7 to against the Carolina Panthers in a awful, and I mean awful game. We're also going to preview the Vikings and Bears next week in Soldier Field. Oh, goody. You know, oh, goody. A road game in December again. Mm. I don't know about this anymore. (laughs) It's getting crazy. Yeah, it gets even better, folks. Guess what, folks? It gets even better. Favre and Childress at odds in the third quarter yesterday. We're going to talk about that as well. And finally, a little bit of stadium talk. We're going to continue to monitor that as well. There was a release by the uh, Metropolitan Sports Commission this week, eh, you know, it, it looks interesting. It looks interesting. Three possible scenarios, of course. Two most likely. One of them is a uh, reconstructed Metrodome. Basically, it would look almost the same or a completely new stadium. So that is topic number four. So we got a lot to cover. Better get to it ASAP. We'll have two breaks. We're not going to get into one right here as we're going to get right into the uh, the game. We're going to get into what counts, folks. I'm so glad. I really am so glad that I told you guys on episode number 51, of course, last week, that I don't fear Matt Moore in the passing game of the Carolina Panthers. I'm so glad I said that because Matt Moore threw for about 300 yards. Yep, 299. Uh-huh. You know what his completion percentage was? 63%. That's not spectacular, but it sure damn looks good. And I know Steve Smith sure heck blew up those numbers. Matt Moore did not look all that great, really, to be honest, but 
That third quarter, everybody looked great for Carolina. Everything looked great for them. Their defense, their offense, everything. So here we go. We're going to get right into it right away. I didn't take notes, folks. I didn't take notes. This is just an, this is an emotion game. This was one of those. Not a note game. Any notes that I took, well, we're not going to use those. We're just going to go right into it. The first quarter, well, it was a harbinger of what was to come in terms of it's going to be a low-scoring game, at least for us, not for Carolina in the long run. Pretty ineffective both ways. Uh, right back to the same thing. The Vikings are having trouble getting the ball to anybody right now. They, I mean, the passing game has disappeared. Teams have definitely figured out a way to slow down the Vikings' pass game, passing game. And the running game has disappeared, folks. It really has. It, it kind of came back temporarily last week. Nothing amazing, but good enough. Peterson was more than good enough down the stretch. Took the Vikings to uh, bigger and better things in the second half of the game last week. But, man, this guy was just... It, the running game has disappeared. And when you can't complete a pass really longer than six or seven yards because just the way the defensive coverage is without... Something crazy happening, just the coverage is too good, a possible interception or a near interception, all that good stuff. And uh, the running game disappears, all that coming together, it's like, what, what do you do? There's just no, there's no answer really other than get over it somehow. Somehow get over it, but when this kind of, <laughs> when this is the case, you can't run the ball and you can't pass the ball, well, it's it's over. To sound about as dorky, uh, dorkily, <laughs> that's not a word, but to sound about as dorky as John Men, well, when you can't pass the ball or run, you're not going to win. You know, that's about it. That's the end of the story there. The interesting part is when Carolina finally did score, they finally did get, they got things going, they started completing those underneath passes, and uh, along the stretch here in the second quarter, D'Angelo Williams, unfortunately, Hobbled by an ankle, would not return, would not return. And Jonathan Stewart, oof, this is where things get real interesting. Because I had both Jonathan Stewart and Steve Smith. Yeah, Steve Smith on my fantasy team this year. Complete busts, totally screwed me this year. Very, fairly high, well, yeah, very high picks when you consider the, the talent they have. Completely let me down all year. Carolina has had a pretty lousy season. They're 6-8 and eight now. We're happy for them. They're not going to the playoffs no matter what happens. Um, <laughs> it's like, what, what can I say? What can I say? They have their best game of the season. What a surprise. What a surprise. As I'm going to digress right now, because I can. <laughs> because I can. Year in and year out. It's like, here we go again. The Vikings are having a good year. Great record, right? Great record. Be it they're 7-2, and 8-2, and 11-1, whatever it is. 11-2. Uh, a couple weeks ago, nine and nine and one was it? Yep, no, ten and one. And they lose to a team that is underachieved. Now Arizona didn't underachieve, but at the same time, they were an inferior team. You lose to an inferior team, be it at home or on the road. This year on the road, at least. But it's happened almost every single time the Vikings are having a great season. It only happened once, and that was '98. Oh, uh, 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 until the playoffs came around, the Falcons were not an underachieving team, but they weren't as good as the Vikings, and everybody knows it. The Falcons have done it to us twice. They did it in 98, and they did it in 2008. Ten years apart, the Falcons came in and took the wind out of our sails last last year. 
The Washington Redskins did it in 92 and in 07. Totally took the wind out of our sails. And it's like, why are we losing to this team? Why are we getting run by this team? And uh, it just seems to happen so freaking often. New England Patriots, when they were horrible back in 94, did it to a 7-2 and Vikings team. They were never the same after that. Before that, the Vikings looked like an elite team. After that, they were the classic 10-6, and 11-5 and type of team that loses in the first or second round. Bullcrap. In uh, 2000, in 2000, when the Vikings were excellent, I believe they were 11-1 and at the time, they lost to the Green Bay Packers in the Metrodome. And I know they're a division rival, and they were also fairly decent at the time, but they sure as heck weren't great, and they weren't as good as the Vikings. But they derailed our season that year, too, as the Vikings went into a swan dive immediately. After that, sure, they beat a vastly inferior uh, New Orleans Saints team, and sure, the Vikings uh, still had the first round by because the competition was so inferior, but because of losing games like that Packer game and the games after that, Vikings did not have home field advantage. And, of course, going to New York City on the road in the playoffs is about as winnable as... <laughs> Nothing. I mean, it's just, it's, you're screwed, no matter what. It seems like any time you go into a place like New York City on the road, you're pretty much screwed. Um, home field advantage is pretty much out the window now. Sure, the Saints lost, but so did the Vikings. So, I just get so frustrated. I, I really do, because this continues to plague the Vikings, and it has plagued them for 40 years. When It all started when the Vikings lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl Four. Vikings favored by 18, and they lost to an inferior team. And they got run by that inferior team. And ever since, it's just been the same thing. One way or another, somehow you lose to an inferior team. 75 Vikings losing to the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, you know, that's another oldie. It just never ends. It never ends. It never really does. The one time the Vikings kind of over overachieved when they had a, a fairly uh, weak record, yet they were kind of the team that was on, a, on the run was 1987, and they finally ended against, of course, the Washington Redskins. It's like Washington Redskins and Vikings doesn't go well late in the year. It just never does. All right, I'll relax now, temporarily. It's just, mm, I'll get back to the actual game now. But I had to get that off my chest. You know, that's why I think this show could be a little bit longer again, but they always are going to be because there's just too much to cover anyway. So I got that off my chest. Partially that saves some of the boring football because there wasn't much to talk about. Yeah, sure, the um, Carolina Panthers, after completing some passes, and then, of course, the, uh, they kept getting first down after first down one way or another. Uh, there were times the Vikings stopped Stewart nicely. Matt Moore was inconsistent, and I mean very inconsistent, especially in that first half and the third quarter. No interceptions, though, of course. But um, Jonathan Stewart continued to get through on those types of drives, and especially the drive that ended up going to Brad Hoover for a touchdown pass, the tight end of the Carolina Panthers. That drive was frustrating. Luckily, the Vikings blocked the snap, or excuse me, blocked the uh, extra point, which was great. And um, and it was the Carolina Panthers only had six points instead of seven, which is, okay, cool, that, that might screw up Carolina a little bit. It's just like only making two field goals now instead of a touchdown. That's great. The Vikings on the ensuing drive did very well. They came back. They finally woke up and said, okay, let's beat these boys. Um, nothing special, though. There was really nothing special about this drive. Vikings just fought through it ever so slightly. Adrian Peterson averaged 2.9 
yards of carry. Just another utterly frustrating game. I believe he did have a 10-yard run on this drive, and yes, he did. But uh, other than that, nothing. 14 rushes for the entire game for the Vikings. Good for 41 yards and about 3 yards of carry for Peterson and Taylor. Mm. Mm. I mean, Julius Peppers was all over Favre all day. He only got one sack, but he was on top of Favre about 100 billion times. He had. There were some cases where the Vikings' offensive line did great, but down the stretch, when the Vikings needed to score, it just didn't happen. So that's the deal there. But Peterson did end up finishing that solid drive along the way. Nothing pretty, but the Vikings took the lead. That's That's terrific. But unfortunately, opportunities would just fall off the face of the earth for the Vikings one way or another. Incomplete passes, penalties along the way, just a lot of crappy penalties just didn't work out for the Vikings. They couldn't get another score, even though they had some they had an opportunity at the end of the, the uh, first half. Of course, the Vikings lose the toss like they always do. <laughs> Got the ball in the first half. Things were looking good going into the second half. And Sidney Rice fumbled the ball after a nice catch. Got all the way up to the 20. Fumbled the ball. Carolina recovers. So that totally ended that opportunity. Just gone. Just like that. Vikings are finally moving, and he fumbled the ball. Sidney Rice. That was the biggest play of the whole game for the Vikings, to be honest, other than a reception by Adrian Peterson late in the fourth quarter. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, It's just the same old deal. It's just That's just what it felt like the whole night. The whole third quarter after that was just three out after three out, or they'd get one first down, and that'd be about it. Totally meaningless. The Vikings' defense did a great job, though, because they, you know, Carolina couldn't do anything either. Matt Moore threw some lame passes that were off. I mean, he he did one where he was, I don't even know how, to, I forget the exact term, but it's basically you, you just kind of fling it. I don't know. He just kind of, it almost looked like a wannabe Randall Cunningham type of throw, where it was way off from Steve Smith, Medea Williams. There was a chance he could have got it, but he just didn't. Got an interception. It was certainly a lot closer to Medea Williams than it was to Steve Smith. Of course, if Smith caught it, it would have been a touchdown, because <laughs> that's just the way it always seems to go. But basically, it was an underthrown, inaccurate pass. It just it didn't sail enough for Steve Smith to catch it. Unfortunately, that would change dramatically as the fourth quarter began. So, because what's what's the great point? The great part about all this. Yeah, Carolina started to drive. Jonathan Stewart was getting his 12-yard plays, you know, 12-yard gains and all that good stuff, or 6-yard gains, whatever it took, and another, just one little teeny gain after another to tight ends and to Mooch and Muhammad, who made some nice catches along the way, some shoestring type of catches, or catches when he was laying on the ground and pulling him in, basically, from his tummy or whatever on the ground. Uh, oh, goody. That as the drive continues... <laughs> Matt Moore sailed one up for Steve Smith, about 40 yards away. He somehow caught it between two players. He somehow just stuck his hand out from from the ground, laying on the ground, just pulled it in. But luckily the pass was, uh, the touchdown did not count because there was a hold on one of the tackles way, way back. The play had to be done over. Oh, goody, for the <laughs> which was great. It's like, okay, good, we, we dodged a bullet there. The announcers, of course, don't like the Vikings. I mean, Chris Collinsworth does not like the Vikings. He just doesn't. I mean, I've, I've noticed this for about 10, 10 years or more. He does not like the Vikings. He virtually never has anything good to say about them. Almost never. Uh, Al Michaels is more neutral. He doesn't really care. So, whatever. 
Al Michaels is a decent announcer, I guess. He's been around forever. Uh, but here we go. You know, the, the Carolina got uh, incomplete pass on the next play, but then it was virtually the exact same thing happened. Sailed it up to Steve Smith, double team. <laughs> Forget about it. Just total, utter bull crap. Excuse me, this was uh, this was actually the play. No, that wasn't. It was actually on the other side, but it looked like the same type of play. It was on the other side of the uh, the end zone. Antoine Winfield tripped on his own uh, tripped on his own shoe. He thought that Steve Smith had tripped him, but it looked more like Antoine Winfield tripped on himself. Steve Smith went from being covered to open, and the ball was caught. Forget about it. There suddenly it's. Uh, Suddenly it's 12-7, to 7, and the frustration begins big time. Carolina suddenly is up 12-7. to 7. The Vikings are up 7-6 to 6 forever. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe we're actually winning this game while how poorly we're playing. That was great. We're winning by one point. That was the end of it right there. Game-winning play. Just terrible. The uh, Carolina Panthers tried to go for a two-point conversion because, you know, to make up for the missed extra point earlier, the blocked extra point. Got nothing. It was just a, an air ball, basically. You could say, to use a basketball term, it was an air ball. Everybody was covered, and he just threw the ball away because there's nothing to, no, nothing to do, basically. That was the end of that. The Vikings again. Well, here we go. Here come the Vikings. You think they're going to come out and uh, wake up finally and get something going? No. Three and out. Worthless. Nobody was open ever. Every single time the Vikings had an opportunity or were trying to pass, Either, you know, when Brett Favre had time to throw the ball, no one was open. But when somebody may have possibly been open, Favre was already on his back because Julius Peppers would either sack him or rush him or whatever. But Favre was sacked four times in this game. And it felt like about 100. Anderson sacked him. Wesley sacked him. Peppers sacked him. And Brown sacked him. But it seemed like that, yeah, all those sacks came in that, that later in the game. Down the stretch, Favre was either hurried by, I mean, Favre was hurried by Peppers, it felt like about 18 times. It was unbelievable. And that was partially why a lot of those passes were incomplete, because Favre didn't have time to throw it. Uh, McKinney was benched in the game. That was just great, because that was when Peppers just dominated McKinney and sacked Favre. That was uh, earlier in the game, when he actually got his sack. But other than that, it was nothing but hurries and, and hits along the way for Favre. And it was nothing but three and outs pretty much along the way after this. It just was a meaningless, meaningless deal. <laughs> totally meaningless. Because when the Falcons got the ball back, this is when they pretty much put an end to the Vikings. This was Jonathan Stewart's turn. He got a couple of gains and then another deep pass to Steve Smith, who caught it, tackled on the three. Neither deep pass to Smith. Just a, Smith I broke loose on this one mostly. It was still fairly deep, but Smith broke loose. The Vikings barely got to him at the last second, but it's like, yeah, whatever. They're going to score anyway because that's the way, way this game was going. So then Jonathan Stewart got the got his uh, got his reward for uh, playing a really good game, to be honest. Didn't get 100 yards, so the Vikings still don't allow a, a single 100-yard rusher. They've allowed over 100 yards rushing for three or four weeks in a row now. And that's been awfully frustrating. That's another bad sign for the Vikings. Not only are they not running the ball, but they're giving up the run a lot more lately. Uh, Jonathan Stewart was able to rush it in like it was virtually nothing. Awfully, awfully frustrating. And um, that was the end of that. 
That was the end of that. 19 to 7 at this point. You knew the game was over. The fourth quarter was about half over. And then uh, Carolina just, after the Vikings, well, it's like, yep, just another worthless three and out. Not even worth getting into. Not not even worth getting into. Who cares? <laughs> That's all it was, a worthless three and out. Carolina ate up all the time that was left. Basically, they ran the ball, 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 ran the ball. and a couple of nice passes. Along the way, more Mushin Muhammad plays, more tight end catches, stayed in balance. The clock just kept ticking away, ate up tons of time, about five minutes, and, um, and then it ended with a Jonathan Stewart touchdown. It's like, what can you say? You're ahead, and you continue to get first downs on the ground. The game's over. It just is. They just ate the clock up like no tomorrow. 26-7 to 7 at that point. And then, folks, what happens? Adrian Peterson breaks loose on a, on a reception for 60 yards. And it's like, thanks. Where was that all day? Where was that all day? Where, where, where's the all day in, in Adrian Peterson? You know, there was no all day in Adrian Peterson. It was just with three minutes left. It was garbage time, Peterson, on this day. And um, other than that one touchdown, it was just a garbage game. Garbage everything. But even better, folks, even better. After that, what what do you think happened after that? Favre just kind of lobbed the ball up and threw an interception. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what happened. That's his fourth interception of the month. Already, already he's got he's got more interceptions already in December than he had the first three months of the season. So the Favre December conversation is very much in play. It was a horrible game, folks. Horrible game. Forty rushes. By Carolina, only 14 by the Vikings, folks. And this game, the Vikings led into the fourth quarter. The Vikings were leading this game into the fourth quarter, so you can't just say it's because the Falcons were ahead. It's just, wow. The run blocking was terrible, and the running was terrible. It was just all the above. The passing, the pass block, the pass protection was was bipolar. It was flat-out bipolar. Sometimes he had all the time in the world to throw the ball. And like I said, whenever that was, no one was open. But whenever there might have been a play, maybe, you know, we'll never know at this point. <laughs> because Favre was already either was Favre was on the ground or was rushed or whatever it was along the way. Batted the ball out of his hand. Whatever it was, it was what it was. And um, just another just another devastating loss for the Vikings. Just devastating. At least nobody got hurt, majorly got hurt in this game. So that's the good part. I mean, you know, but other than that, it's just ridiculous. And one other thing to note, Aaron Henderson, how about this? Aaron Henderson, the brother of E.J. Henderson, suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. Thank you so much for that. So that's the end of that. And that's all I'm going to say about that deal. It's just, here we go again. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the title. I mean, that's the title of the episode because that's all it is. Here we go again. Here we go again. Forty years of this. <laughs> Not every single year, but it seems like whenever there's an opportunity to make some type of run, it seems like there's another wall. There's another brick wall we run into, and this was a big one. And ever since that Arizona game, ever since that Arizona game, Favre has never been the same. He really hasn't. Vikings scored 30 points against the Cincinnati Bengals, but it's been the same deal. The big play has not been there because the coverage has, has significantly changed on the Vikings and Brett Favre, and of course the receivers. This uh, coverage has considerably changed. Whatever it was, <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals did, it has totally passed on to the other teams here. 
Cincinnati's cover two approach was fantastic on Farr. You, you had some of those underneath plays, but that's it. And because there was no big play out there, Farr wants to make a big play fairly often. And uh, it's just been it's been a December disaster for Brett Favre so far. Not nearly as bad as it was in previous years, but this sure as heck isn't the same guy we saw the first three months who looked like who looked like an MVP. That is also off the window. Yes, Adrian Peterson has 15 touchdowns, but his rushing yards have disappeared, absolutely disappeared. And um, what 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 more can I say? What more can I say? When the running game's gone and <laughs> you can't really complete any type of pass hardly longer than like eight yards or so, I don't know what I don't, I don't know what to say. It just eventually it tends to kill you, and that's what's been going on. That's what's been going on. Very frustrating. Also, there was a play in the game where Carolina did fumble the ball. The Vikings recovered it and lost it. They lost it. Yeah. That was another opportunity that just went away in the game. I believe that was in the third quarter, and yes, it was. They just lost it. They would have had the ball at the, what, the 10? Carolina recovered it. Mm-hmm. So, that was just the story of the day. Not one bounce of the ball went the Vikings away. Carolina fumbled the ball three times and lost it zero. The only time the Vikings fumbled it was Sidney Rice. The ball was jarred loose, and uh, that totally just killed a great drive by the Vikings. The one really good drive of the game, other than the scoring drive. Mm. So that took the wind out of the sails for the Vikings. And that's the end of this game. It was a little bit long-winded, just a little bit. But that's how it goes. It's Purple Mafia, his emotional game. And uh, at 11-3, and the Vikings record isn't horrible. Like I said, the New Orleans Saints lost, but unfortunately the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that knocked us out of the playoffs last year, are 10-4 and now. And apparently they hold the tiebreaker over the Vikings, so if for whatever reason we're both 12-4 and or 11-5, and God forbid, that would be really bad. If the Vikings lost the next two games, I don't think they will. I think they'll at least win the home one against New York. I think they'll win that one, and they should win in Chicago, but I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know the way, if this team doesn't, if the, if the, if, if nothing changes with the way the Vikings are playing and the way the passing game is short-circuited of late, if nothing changes, I don't know. I can't guarantee any victory anymore. I can't do it. I can't do it, especially especially not on the road. I think the Vikings will be undefeated at home. I think they beat the Giants just because uh, the energy is totally different when the Vikings play at home. And, of course, it's inside and Brett Favre struggles. But we'll get to that game when it matters next week. So I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to get into the Chicago Bears in a couple seconds here. We'll be right back. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, episode number 52, which is a reminder for iPod. Microsoft Zoom and other MP3 users. Well, the Vikings go to Soldier Field next week against the Chicago Bears, who have really had a tough year. Remember, the Vikings destroyed the Bears in the Metrodome earlier this year, and Baltimore destroyed the Bears in Baltimore. The 8-6 Ravens, who looked great early on and have really struggled since. That's how that's gone. The Bears are 5-9. and nine. They're completely out of it. Forget about the Bears. The Baltimore Ravens defeated the Bears 31-7. 
31-7. And this is a fairly offensively challenged uh, Chicago Bears team. Fairly offensively challenged, you could say. Running game looks good. The passing game, well, it had a uh, had an outstanding game. It really did, particularly in Joe Flacco. The Bears gave up 234 yards passing, but the efficiency, 70, about 73% from Flacco, four touchdowns, 135.6 quarterback rating. So I guess that's a good sign right there. I guess it is. Because look at Jay Cutler when you can do a quarterback comparison. This is the quarterback the Vikings will have to go up against. Jay Cutler, his completion percentage, 37%. 37%. He threw three interceptions. <laughs> wow, 94 yards, folks. 94 yards. Are you ready for his passer rating on the day? 7.9. Jay Cutler could not get anything going against the Baltimore Ravens. It was just a complete wash. Um, Matt Forte lost a fumble in the game. He had about 70 yards on the ground. That's okay. Decent. Ray Rice averaged 5.4 a carry, 87 yards in the game. So, Chicago Bears, plain and simple. I guess all I can say is pass. <laughs> pass against the Chicago Bears, and the running game might even work also. It just might. And the Vikings will finally have a 12-win season. It's been a long time since the Vikings have won 12 games. 98. So, 12, 12 or more. I would say, I mean... Guess, I guess that's about it, though, at this point in time. Right now, pass. I guess just pass the ball against the Chicago Bears. Do whatever you can. Their defense has completely abandoned them. And um, hope for the best, basically. Hope for the best against this Bears team. But overall, my analysis, it's just it's almost like I don't even know what to say anymore because I don't know which Viking team is going to show up. I really don't know which Viking team is going to show up at Soldier Field. It's a road game. It's a cooler climate, of course. And in those road games, cooler climate for Brett Favre have disappeared. Do you want Favre to pass against the Bears? When you look on paper, I'd say yes, absolutely. If Joe Flacco can throw four touchdowns against uh, the Chicago Bears, and granted, it was a home game for Baltimore. That helps. It's just a better energy there. And um, a little bit different than a road game. But still, four touchdowns, he was almost perfect in the game. Almost perfect. Jay Cutler was virtually worthless. He was he wasn't even he didn't even show up at all. He was just the guy that that got the ball and just was supposed to he was just a designated uh tosser. That's basically what he was in the game. He was so horrible. Um, but really, yeah, I mean huh, I guess just just keep passing, Brett. That's all I'm gonna say, I guess, at this point in time. Of course the Bears know a lot more about Brett Favre than they do about Joe Flacco just because he was of course on the Packers forever, and the Vikings, yeah, the Bears know the Vikings pretty good as well. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> developing a strategy right now. I don't know. That's I guess that's up to the coaches. You know, it, it always is anyway. But it's just it's it's changed. Uh, ultimately, Adrian Peterson has had massive success against the Chicago Bears. So you automatically think, you know, exploit that once again. But Peterson wasn't so great against the Bears. Just something, something's up with Peterson. I don't know if it's health. Uh, the pass rushing certainly hasn't been as good as it was in the past. It really hasn't, as it was earlier in the year and in previous seasons. Um, something, something's up with the chemistry of this team right now. I think there's some finger pointing going on, a, a lot more than, than you'd want to know behind the scenes. 
things just aren't think things just aren't clicking with this team right now. But uh, on paper, the Vikings should win this game, and um, they should be able to do it. Really, to be honest, with a balance of passing and and, and running. You know, you start off running, see how that goes, and uh, after that, exploit the Chicago Bears' uh, weak passing defense at this point in time. Their weak pass defense is. It looked pretty easy for Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. So that's pretty much how I'd start off. Just start off with the running game and, and move on to the passing game. That's about as, that's pretty much kindergarten football strategy right there. I mean, that's about all you're going to have to do. Just the big the big kids should beat the little kids. That's that's about it. That's about all it is at this point in time. The Vikings should win this game, but um, that's on them. It's on them, and that's about all I'm going to have to say on it. The Bears are just a completely depleted team. A lot of their defense, uh, a lot of their defense has gotten old, and other players have left. And uh, just this this team isn't what it what it was three four years ago. The Chicago Bears they sure the heck aren't. So there will be no rematch you know, of the of the Ostick Super Bowl this year. There won't be Colts and Bears. It might be Colts, but not Bears. So that's about all I'm gonna have to say about this game. The Vikings should win. But it depends on who shows up. Is it Jekyll or Hyde? Does Jekyll look pretty good against Cincinnati, but Hyde really sucked. And I mean they sucked major you-know-what against Arizona and Carolina. Those Sunday night road games did not work out for the Minnesota Vikings. Not even a little bit. Not even a little. So, I'm going to get into the final segment here. We're going to talk about that far of controversy with Brad Childress and some stadium talk. Aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? Oh, and before I forget, we're going to get to a couple of phone calls. Two people were uh, nice enough to call in. Farzine of the Chiefs Zone called in. A great show on thesportsup.com and iTunes. And also Anthony from L.A. So I appreciate both of you calling in. It means a lot. Two calls. That is pretty cool stuff here on Purple Mafia. So we'll be right back right after this. This is Farzine calling in to Dark Paladino on the Purple Mafia. That's a great win. And thank you for stomping Larry Johnson. Uh, of course, uh, we all uh, hate Larry Johnson in Kansas City for uh, his, uh, his his late goings as a, as a chief, so to say. Um, I was curious to know if you if you um, saw Jared Allen or, or Larry Johnson shake hands afterwards. Um, the other thing I wanted to know, speaking of Jared Allen, I think he's been a pretty big asset for the Minnesota Vikings. I remember when he was uh, on the Chiefs, uh, Patrick Sertan and Ty Law were horrible. The only time those two guys were able to get interceptions uh, the year that Jared Allen were here, or at least most of them were, were from uh, pressure applied by Allen on the QB. I think that's made a big difference in, uh, in uh, Minnesota. Of course, so is Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson. All, all those guys jumped again. Uh, you know, they got Peterson one year, Allen the next year, and Favre the, the other year. But I think Favre's in the best edition. I'm biased on that. But I, I, he, I, he's a game changer. He's the reason the Chiefs. That's against Brady. I don't, I don't know when was the last time we saw Jared Allen versus Tom Brady. That would be interesting to see. But um, so I got to say, keep it up, and uh, good luck in the playoffs. Nice, nice clinch. And I thank you for that call-in, Farzine, as I'll split the calls up so I can address them uh, separately. Uh, 
again, thank you, Farzine, for that. Dark Paladino, that's a really cool nickname that Farzine came up because, came up with because of my uh, uh, the way uh, my appearance on uh, Facebook. I'm wearing a fedora and a black trench coat. Dark Paladino, interesting deal. Thanks for that, first and foremost. Uh, on the LJ thing, yeah, I mean, I guess it was our pleasure to stomp LJ, but he didn't really do hardly anything. I barely even noticed him there, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or smartass. I barely noticed him there at all. So I guess Larry Johnson was pretty much doing what he did in Kansas City the last two years. Um, didn't see anything about Jared Allen and LJ shaking hands or anything. If they did, I missed it. I, I wasn't at the game, so I didn't see anything of the sort. Uh, the media didn't bring anything up about it during the game, so we'll leave that there. As for Jared Allen and in the press rush, yeah, he's been a phenomenal addition to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and when, when you say about how, yeah, it's Peterson, Allen, and Favre, well, right now, to be honest, at this current point in time, yeah, I mean, Brett Favre is possibly a one-year rental, and the way things have really been snowballing for Brett Favre of late, and, of course, the controversy topic, <laughs> um, yeah, that he's 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 the least of the three. It's just for the time being. At the time, it was the most fascinating addition because of how big a name he is and how great he could be, and how the Vikings' major major weakness was at quarterback. Um, but um, when you compare Jared Allen and Adrian Peterson, well, that's kind of a that's a little bit tough. They're both major for both sides. You know, you got the Vikings finally got the pass rush they needed when they got Allen, and they finally got the uh, super running back they needed when they got. Adrian Peterson, however, we did have Chester Taylor still, but Peterson's on that next level, especially if he would stop fumbling. And if he would step it up of late, that would help as well. The running game sucked to, against the Carolina Panthers yesterday. Um, other than that, pretty good, pretty good comments there. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting deal. I mean, uh, Jared Allen can definitely be a game changer. He sure as heck killed the Packers this year. But mo unfortunately, most of his sacks were against the Packers. It's just that he had so dang many. He had seven sacks in two games against the Packers, which is sick, absolutely sick. So we'll put an end to that, and we will get to the next call-in from Anthony out of Los Angeles. Hey, uh, I'm calling from the uh, for the Purple Mafia, for Joey and the Purple Mafia. This is uh, Anthony from uh, Los Angeles, California. wanted to talk about that uh, Viking defense, man. Uh, Looking good right now. The only shaky thing I think is uh, the safeties, and I want to know what maybe you can talk about this. Is uh, what do you think about Winfield since he's uh, you know getting a little up there, 31, but he's still playing at a high level. Maybe throwing him at a like a safety, maybe a strong safety or something with all that heavy tackling and hitting that he does, always up on the line of scrimmage, making all those um, behind the line tackles and negative yardage plays. Um, maybe that would be a good uh, key element for. Uh, a stronger safety than what we already have. All right, uh, hopefully I can hear you talk about that. See you later. And I thank you, Anthony, out of the great city of Angels, Los Angeles. Really, really cool call and really cool to hear from you. Uh, nice to know that there's fans all over the country, and uh, that's, that's really cool to hear. Uh, how about your Chargers down there? I'm no, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure you're not a Chargers fan, but uh, they look pretty good, too, in that area. Uh but, no, that was a really, really good call, really informative, really, really good thoughts right there. Uh, yeah, that conversation has been brought up, the conversation of, you know, Anthony, excuse me, Antoine, excuse me, Antoine Winfield has, uh, 
you know, is getting a little bit older. And really, when you look at him, he's he's quite the hitter. And uh, after that Carolina game, it, it, he might be more of, of, of a safety type here in the next year or two. I, I would think possibly even next year they might start experimenting with it to be a strong safety. Uh, for one, he's got to be better than Tyrell Johnson. Two, Medea Williams is a good hitter. He's not the best ever. He missed some opportunities, and he sure the heck doesn't intercept anything ever. He just doesn't, does uh, Medea Williams. Tyrell Johnson has been virtually invisible, and um, he got burned about a million times in those uh, short to mid passes against teams like Green Bay, Baltimore, and others. So, uh, yeah, that conversation has been brought up, but he was even brought up with Antoine Winfield, and he was kind of like, yeah, you know, sure, absolutely that could happen. You know, Antoine Winfield's one of those more uh, upfront guys. You know, he'll he'll give you an interview. He's not just kind of go, oh, that's up to the coaches. Uh, you know, you know, it's just up to the coaches. Uh, I, I just go out and give it 110 uh, percent, backs against the wall, and uh, you know, you know, there's no tomorrow. So uh, just just going to go out there and uh, let the coaches make their own decision. You know, he's more open about it, saying, yeah, you know, that's definitely a possibility. So really well thought call, really well thought out calls by both of you guys. Out- outstanding. Do check out the Chiefs Zone. Farzine, more than worth listening to if you're a Chiefs fan or not. Just just a cool show. The guy the guy gets it done. So thank you both for calling in. I appreciate it oh so much. So I'm gonna take one more break, unfortunately, because just I had to change a few things here on the fly. So I'll take a break right and be back right after this. <laughs> And we are back here on Purple Mafia, episode number 52, a reminder for iPod and all that good stuff, users. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, it's like enough's enough, right? Let's just move on. Well, here we go, folks. Here we go. A little controversy. What would an NFL season be without controversy? Coach and quarterback. Oh, boy. Isn't that just the best news you ever heard? Remember, a lot of people were worried way back at the beginning of the season that Favre and Childress might butt heads a little bit, that there's always that possibility. Childress is kind of a stingy SOB. And Brett Favre is Brett Favre. You know, he's a gunslinger. He wants to do his thing, and he's also a, a, he's a big shot. I mean, what more can you say about that? He's he's always been a big shot. And, of course, what would a season, like I say, be without some type of controversy of some kind? The Vikings always seem to be filled with them. You have the Williams-Wall issues at the start of the season. Luckily, that has faded for the time being. But then something else comes up. Just terrific. Of course, yeah, the rookie, uh, rookie center and rookie uh, tackle, you have that to deal with as well. Not much of a controversy, but an, an issue to deal with. But apparently, Brett Favre and Brad Childress had an argument in the third quarter. About nine minutes left to go in the third quarter. Pretty early, the Vikings were only up seven to six. They were still up, but uh, Brad Childress wanted to take Brett Favre out of the game. Yes, he did. As um, the Vikings did win the division title, so I'll get into that now, real super quick. As I slowly digress for a couple seconds, the Vikings did win the division title, which was the good part. And no, it had nothing to do with why the Vikings lost. It just didn't win or lose. You know, they 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 won or lost the game yesterday because of game plan preparation and plain and simple. The other team just uh, the other team had our cards, and we didn't have theirs, plain and simple. The Panthers were 110% better than the Vikings. Had their best game of the season, and that's the reason why we lost. But uh, here we go. 
As after the Carolina Panthers dominated the fourth quarter Sunday, Favre acknowledged that he had a heated discussion with Coach Brad Childress. Uh, I'll also mention, I saw it happening when I was watching the game. I saw it. When they were on the sidelines, they showed Favre and uh, Childress talking, and I could tell it just didn't look right. It didn't necessarily look they were yelling at each other, but apparently they were. Uh, they just It looked like some type of disagreement was going on. Favre claimed the coach wanted to take him out of the game to avoid taking any more hits from Julius Peppers in the Carolina defensive line. And uh, Favre's quote here, Brad wanted to go in a different direction, and I wanted to stay in the game. Or I'll just go back to that. Brad wanted to go in a different direction, and I wanted to stay in the game. It's it's not 70-6, to six, but we're up. But we were up 7-6, to six, and I'm staying in the game, playing. Yeah, it was a one-point game. Uh, that is a little bizarre that Brad Childers wanted to take him out. But at the same time, to think that it got kind of heated, that's a little scary. To be honest, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure that taking Brett Favre out of the game with nine minutes to go in the third quarter when you're up by one makes makes much sense. I understand you want to protect him and things are getting retarded, but uh, I don't know. I really don't know what to think of that. I really don't know. I don't think Tavares Jackson would go out there and uh, help us. I, I guarantee. I mean, I guarantee you it'd be, it'd be a loss either way, no matter who went in there. But uh, <laughs> the Vikings didn't really necessarily see that coming. The defense looked pretty good until things totally, utter collapsed, totally utterly collapsed in that fourth quarter. Uh, just to be honest, I have no idea what's going on. Favre's next quote is, No way being up 7-6 to six and getting, <laughs> getting banged around a little bit would I consider coming out. That was his comment. Uh, Childress's comment is, we were just having a good conversation about the game, about where the game was heading at that point in time. This is kind of a grammatical error that I'm reading here that I didn't write, luckily. <laughs> but yeah, it was about where the game was heading at that point in time and what we needed to do to head another uh, the other way. So kind of a little bit of cover-up there. Mm. That's just how things go, though, really. That's just how this thing went, to be honest. It, it was a weird, it was, it, it's, it's a weird situation. I'm not really sure what Brett, Brad was truly trying to accomplish other than protecting Brett Favre, but it was kind of almost like giving up when you were up by a point. That's almost what it sounds like in a way. Do you really think Tavares Jackson would go out there and help any? I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, mean, I think you're more prone to, mis- to mistakes and, and error when, when uh, Tavares Jackson's in there. So I'm not really sure what he tried to accomplish there, to be honest. But at the same time, this kind of thing, there's just no place for this kind of issue right now. And it's unfortunate. I I really don't know whose side to take here. I mean, you want to ultimately take the coach's side because it's not good to just uh, be on the sidelines arguing with the coach. But at the same time, it 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 doesn't make much sense, to be honest. It really doesn't make much sense other than protecting him. And um, I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of it. I just hope this thing disappears and things move on. But the way the team is playing right now and uh, the way the chemistry just is, as seems to have disappeared from in, in, in a lot of places, the offensive line, uh, the, just the whole, the whole offense in general, I just don't know. I don't know what to make of it. They really need to get their head out of their, uh, out of their ass right now, to be honest. They are just... They, are, they have lead pants right now, big time. 
it, and it's ridiculous. So that's where I'm going to stand on that, to be honest with you right now. It's just uh, other than that, I'm I'm basically speechless. I just I'm at the point where I'm just pretty much rambling to you. So I better move on. As we're not going to take a break, we're just going to get right into the final topic. Metrodome next. Metrodome next. This was the in the Star Tribune and, of course, just in the news in general. Well, there are multiple scenarios here as you look at the different deals. There's, of course, the renovated dome. That would cost 96, or, excuse me, $967 million. A reconstruction would cost $771 million, And the new stadium would cost $870. Uh, I would say... 99% of the population would pretty much just say new stadium at this point in time. Um, though the discount idea, you know, the Vikings would save quite a bit of money. Or, I mean, not the Vikings, but whoever, I guess us taxpayers, that's $100 million less, basically, with the reconstruction idea. Uh, the suite prices would be the same. The club suite prices would be the same. The average ticket cost would be the same. Interesting. The capacity would be the same in everything except the renovated dome. It would actually be higher. Yet the revenue would go from sixty million to seventy-one million in the reconstruction of a new stadium. The renovated would still be only fifty-nine. Right now, the revenue is only about forty million. So, of course, you're looking at twenty to thirty million more for the Vikings in terms of revenue. But um, all in all, though, folks, all in all, you know, when you look at all, there's a lot of sem- there's several uh, similarities here. And, um, of course, the new, the new stadium makes the most sense. Uh, the Vikings right now, at this point in time, are wondering what the heck these people are doing, bringing, out this, bringing this out, when just a couple weeks ago, a uh, couple of days ago, actually, they uh, wanted the Vikings to sign a new lease to, to, to 2011 in the Metrodome. So they're kind of miffed right now. They're just kind of like, okay, I don't know what to, what to say here. What, 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 like, make up your mind. They're saying basically the Metropolitan Sports Commission is uh, doing a Brett Favre, basically. They're not making up their mind. But to be honest, the new stadium does look cool. Um, It's going to be state-of-the-art. You're going to have a big window, basically, on the side. Big, giant window where you can see the skyline, retractable roof. That's always good. The ceiling, the ceiling or roof, actually, is what it really is, which is retractable, will be clear. It'll be clear. So I, I like that idea, to be honest. That sounds really cool. Um, but the problem is, folks, the problem is, the sport, <laughs> this, this is, this is not a, this is just not the sports town like it is out, out east and, and other parts of the country. It's Ken Zapp, whose comment here just, it just, I, I hate, I hate seeing this kind of stuff. And it, it's just all too common in this town. All too common in this town, as, uh, he says, Ken Zapp here. An economist at Metropolitan State University who was long opposed to public money for stadiums disputed the commission report this week that Minnesota's professional sports team have generated more than $500 million in tax revenues since 1961. See, that obviously is a fact, and higher taxes for anything is a pain in the ass, and unfortunately, see, the, the greatest issue here, too, when you're talking about higher taxes for stadiums, well, you know how there's a half percent Sales tax, I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was half percent sales tax in 1982. Some of you can maybe fill me in if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, for the Metrodome back in 1982, they did that. They raised it, the sales tax by a half a percent. And of course, the Metrodome's 30 years old. Did the, uh, when the, when the, uh, the building was paid for and all done, did the, did the tax go back, did the tax go away? 
No. Did they use that same tax for the next stadium of any kind, the next twin stadium or potential Viking stadium? No. That's where my issue comes in, where it's like, what the hell? Why don't you just have a regular <laughs> uh, stadium tax? That's just, it's the same thing forever, basically. They can save up for a future stadium. I mean, that's about it. Just maybe use that. But, of course, that'll never happen. Not with these jerk diplomats that, uh, yeah, they just want to spend money no matter one way or the other, regardless of what party they are. So enough of the politics part of it. Let's get to the actual comment here. That just It drives me nuts. It's typical Minnesota attitude. Just I, It bugs me. But Zapp said that several economic studies have proved that without pro sports teams to support People would simply spend that money on other forms of entertainment. And his quote is, sports teams simply move money from one activity to another. It's just, I hate that smart-ass attitude. I, I, I really do. You really think that this town would be remotely as fun, to be honest? <laughs> to, you know, I, I, I don't know. It just would not nearly be as fun to be here if we didn't have any sports teams. It just, screw that attitude. You know, I, I can't stand that attitude, and... Um, it's just, it's it's what makes this this area different than other parts of the country, and no offense to other people out there listening that uh, might take offense to that, but I don't know. I just I don't I don't like that attitude, and it seems to be way 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 too common in this town. And I'm not expecting anybody to roll out their checkbook and then donate to to a stadium for billionaires, but at the same time, that attitude really sucks. It really does, and uh, I don't like it at all. It's just a smart-ass, I'm better than you attitude. Sports are are meaningless anyway, you know? Whatever. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm going to stand with that. So let's just uh, conclude here. The game sucked. End of story. Uh, I don't think the stadium is, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the stadium is going to happen at any point. Even Tim Pawlenty doesn't support it, even though he supported a twin stadium and the Gopher Stadium. And by the way, real quick, should this take place, the Vikings would play for two years in TCF Field, or TCF Stadium, excuse me, where the Gophers play. Of course, there'd be a lot less seats available, about 50,000, 45,000 seats, but that's how it goes when you're building a new stadium. It's just not, you know, you're going to have to rent a place for a couple of years, uh, but that's the solution. That's the good part, at least, that there is something there, and it's still a nice new stadium either way. Um but that's what's going to happen. I personally don't see any Viking stadium happening at any point in the near future. The attitude in this town is too negative, and of course, higher taxes—they don't make much sense. And uh, <laughs> any idea I had to bring—I mean, any idea of bringing up just uh, just use the Metrodome tax? <laughs> yeah, that would just get laughed out the window because we got to fund uh, more of their political propaganda with that money instead, where that money will never be seen or heard from again. So I'll end with that statement. Purple Mafia, just make sure, I mean, I'll end the actual show part of that. Uh, do call into the phone lines, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877 is the phone line. It is a voicemail treated as such. Imagine you're calling in for Purple Mafia. Do your statement, shout out, whatever it is. Leave your name and town. It would be appreciated very much. Also, join the message boards on thesportstuff.com. There's a, the button in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that, and then click on the register link, which would be on the left side after that, and you can sign up, and you can join in the discussion. Do vote on the poll today, as there was also a poll. I'll get to mention that real quick. It asks simply, 
how far will the Vikings go this year uh, regarding these, uh, based on these uh, two very deflating losses to Carolina and Arizona. You go on the polls and vote on that, and I'll have results next week. And um, until then, we're going to have to hope for the best, hope that uh, any chemistry issues get cleared up this week and this team gets their head out of their ass immediately. So take care, everybody. Thank you.